You are listening to Artistic Finance, show 81. Today's show is just me shooting the breeze with you for a year-end wrap-up. I'm going to be talking about what to tip mail carriers, supers, and doormen. I'm going to give a couple shout-outs to some of our artist side hustlers, and I'll wrap it up with Artistic Finance's milestones for the year 2021. As you're listening to this episode, and if you're not operating heavy machinery, please consider leaving us a rating and review. And here's a new feature for Spotify listeners. You can now leave a rating. You open up the app, search for Artistic Finance. Underneath the logo on the left-hand side, it should say Following. Now, if it says Follow, tap that to start following. Please and thank you. And now to the right, there are three dots. Tap the dots, and then you can leave a rating. So I just did it, and I left a rating of five. You leave whatever rating your heart desires. Thanks for that. And without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Steimel. I'm recording this December 23rd, 2021. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 is causing mayhem for live events. The Rockettes have canceled the rest of their season. On Broadway, shows are pausing, including Hamilton, Town, Aladdin, Harry Potter, and Jagged Little Pill has closed for good. Two nights ago, thoughts of a colored man had so many cast members test positive that the playwright himself, Keenan Scott, jumped into the cast with less than 15 minutes before the show, just to keep it from canceling. And in LA and San Francisco, the Broadway tours of A Christmas Carol have shut down for the rest of their runs. And while all this seems doom and gloom, I have high hopes for 2022. It could be the year I design a Broadway show, so Brian Moreland, if you're listening, I need some design work. Alright, so I'm sitting here alone in my apartment on 62nd Street in Manhattan, and I have my gin and tonic in hand, and what kind of gin you ask? Well, Hendrix. It's the only gin I'm aware of. Though I will say, I recently lit Peter and the Starcatcher at the New York Film Academy, and our stage manager, Julie Gottfried, gave me some Tangeray. And while it's no Hendrix, yeah, it wasn't bad. And our friend Nathan Brewer, wonderful director, he once gave me some Plymouth gin. It's no Hendrix, but well played. I've never met a gin that I never liked. But let's say you don't drink, and that's totally, totally cool. We're totally, fully supportive of you not drinking. I hope you're sitting there with a coffee or something. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you're well. I hope you're surviving this holiday season. And I want to jump right into talking about tipping. Why am I talking about tipping? This involves a story about city living, apartment living, and the United States Postal Service. So it's the holiday season, Nicole and I are receiving lots of cards, and by lots I mean six to 10. We moved in February, so cards are now going to our old place. And I know what you're thinking, did we sign up to have our mail forwarded? Yes, we did. And that's something I highly recommend if you move. Go to usps.com, 
hover over the receive tab and go down to change of address. Now there's a fee of $1.10, but Nicole and I have never regretted paying that $1.10. We did forward the mail, but we are past our time limit for the forwarding, and I may not have told my family our new address. But anyway, another thing, while you're on the USPS website, do you know about informed delivery? So apparently this is something that everybody knows about, everybody does it, but I didn't know this. You sign up for informed delivery, and then you can go see scans of what mail is coming to you. So you'll know the day before or so what's coming. Anyway, apparently everybody does that, but if you don't know how to do it, go to usps.com and there's a tab at the top that says informed delivery, and you just sign up. All right, so back to the story. So I get a message on Instagram, and somebody says, did you used to live here? Because I have your mail. And I said, oh, can you forward it? Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they ended up meeting with Nicole to hand off some of this mail. And of course, we've now gotten more mail. So Nicole and them have sort of become friends. So that leads us to today where this person texted and asked how much to tip the super. They planned to tip $200, but they didn't want to be cheap. So now, before I tell you what we responded, here's a question for you. What do you tip your super? Now, when you hear this episode, I expect you to go onto LinkedIn or YouTube or somewhere on the socials and tell me what you do for tipping. I'm just very curious. So now last year, we gave $60 to the super and we gave $50 to the handyman. So now we gave $60 to the super because, because he was just such a great guy, we threw in another 10. Now, we've always given 50 just because it felt right. We've never really thought about it. Someone in our old building was also giving 50, and so we sort of thought, oh, that's right. But then we get this message today, <laughs> and it says we're going to give $200. And so Nicole and I, of course, immediately think, oh, man, we've been doing this wrong this whole time. So I sent out an SOS text to some of my friends to find out what everyone else was doing, and I got back all sorts of numbers. So I got 50, 80, 100. 100 seemed pretty common, and only one was over 100, and they were at 150. Some said that they gave 100 to the doorman, but then there's two doormen, so they each got 50. Some said they had four maintenance people, so they gave 100, and then each one got 25. And then only two people said less than 50, and one was zero because they did not care for their super, and the other said they couldn't afford much, so that they gave cookies and $20. Which also brings up a good point that, of course, if you can't afford it, you don't have to do anything. Just like tipping at a hotel, if you don't have cash or you run out and you forget, you're allowed to do nothing and you don't need to let it haunt you for the rest of your life. It happens. Anyway, as I sent out this SOS text, I was very upfront about the super and that we gave 50. The people who gave more than that, they often threw back that they had a good relationship, etc. with the person. Probably they were saying that so Nicole and I wouldn't feel like we were less than. Yet I still feel like I need to say that in our defense, Nicole and I are very self-sufficient people. We rarely ask anything of the super. And it's not that we're unfriendly. We just prefer not to interact with anyone in the building unless we have to, which we never have to. Okay, so that's it for supers, maintenance folk, and doormen. And I know doorman isn't gender neutral, but I did an online search for what other word I could use, and it came back with doorkeeper or concierge, which, hmm, those are the only things that made sense, and neither of them really works. So anyway, I guess I could say door person, 
That's not terrible. Okay, folks, remember to tip your door person. All right, so this poll amongst my friends seemed to result in $50 to $100, which is not so far off from the wealthiest people in America. The reason I say that is because I remember the 2012 documentary called Park Avenue, Money, Power, and the American Dream. And it talked about the people living at 740 Park Avenue, which at the time was the most expensive place to live in the world. And one thing I remember from that was there was a door person saying that at the holiday time, you'd think that the tips would be fantastic, but they were not. They were just average. They'd be $100. So somebody's living in this $30 million place and they're tipping $100. I'm not here to villainize the wealthy. That's neither here nor there. I'm just saying if you tip $100 to your super, you could be in the 1%. Okay, so now onto mail carriers. I'll preface this by saying that USPS mail carriers are not allowed to accept tips. That's the rule. Mm -hmm. So Nicole and I have never tipped our mail carrier. So we've lived in New York for nine years. We've never tipped once. And now the reason for that is that we have no idea who they are. We've never seen them. We've never talked to them. And if you live in New York City and you don't have a door person, you know that getting packages is hell on wheels with nonstop visits to the post office, etc., which isn't the mail carrier's fault, but it doesn't make us like them either. But again, we don't know them. So anyway, my in-laws suggested we should do something for the mail carrier because it's a nice thing to do and they would appreciate it so much. So we left $20 with a note. Going back to the SOS message to my friends, most of whom are in New York City. So it mostly came back with nothing for the mail carrier. So we're not the only ones who were not doing anything. So here's the kicker. We were the only ones who left money, which I guess was a mistake, but I have no regrets. So other things that people gave were cookies, chocolates, and gift cards. That seemed to be the things. But again, most people actually didn't give anything. I will say that having grown up in suburbia, that's a little bit different because you know the mail person. In New York City, it just doesn't make sense to me because I have no idea who they are. Now that we've done it this year, we'll probably do it for the rest of time. Interrupting this episode because Mark Santos, our previous guest, was able to call me on Christmas Eve and we were able to chat for a little bit. So here's that. So Mark Santos, welcome. Hey, good to see you again. Yeah, it's been so long. Congratulations (laughs) about the uh, apprenticeship at the Met. Happy that it's going well. Oh, thank you. I decided in the middle of the night to record an episode. And I did it about what to tip the mail carrier. I texted you and I said, do you tip your mail carrier? So you said between $20 and $250 and to follow your heart. I like your spin on things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so I looked it up actually, though, because I knew mail carriers can't take tips. They can't get tips. You know, a lot of people can't get tips for those and stop it from happening. Right. Well, I used to work at McDonald's and I was not allowed to take tips and I never did, even though a couple times people did try to tip me. And in hindsight, I wish I had taken them, but I obeyed the rules and I did not accept the tips. But since I recorded the first part of the episode, I learned, I went to the machine on the internet, the metaverse, and I learned that USPS allows mail carriers to accept gifts for the holiday that are less than $20. Oh, interesting. Okay. They are allowed to take holiday gifts. But they're not supposed to be cash, and they're not, they can't be worth more than $20. Well, that's probably good, you know. So now you know. I sent out SOS text messages to find out the answers to who tips what for what. 
And somebody else replied to me and said that they don't ever give the mail carrier anything, but for some reason this year they gave 10. That made me and Nicole feel good because no one else had done any cash. And I was like, oops, apparently we weren't supposed to do cash, but somebody else gives 10. So also, I feel like if I were a mail carrier, I know you're not allowed to take cash, but I would totally appreciate cash personally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then also, okay, superintendents, you don't have a super. You don't have to worry about this. But I was trying to figure out how how much to tip a super for the year. So the person who said they tipped the mail carrier $10, they told me that they don't like their super. And so they gave them food and wine, which I think is a hilarious way to like treat somebody you don't like. (laughs) You don't like. (laughs) I would think if you don't like them, you don't give them anything. And they probably gave them more than ten dollars in food and wine that's what i was thinking like what wine i i'm thinking at, at a cvs or a Dwayne reed the wine is six dollars and a bag of chips i mean what's what was the food <laughs> they didn't say i'm just assuming it was a baked good of some sort and that would be like another four dollars you know for a bag of chips <laughs> i also think nicole and i like we're the, we're the people who would like go to a restaurant and the waiter will mess up the order or they'll be like really busy and so they'll check on us once every hour and a half or something <laughs> When that happens to us, I think we actually tip more, which is like so counterintuitive because it's like mm. the worst the service is, it's almost like we tip more. Yeah, even 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 if it's not the best service, I will generally tip also. It has to be really, really bad if I'm like I'm if I'm not gonna tip. I mean it has to be pretty horrendous. Yeah, like I can't think of a single time it just goes against every fiber of our being. I think there was one time that I I didn't because the person was like really obnoxious and started being not not so great even even verbally was not definitely not respectful at all let alone you know, wasn't friendly we we have we have left places if they took too long to like return or like oh yeah because we're just like life is too short for them to not want to serve us and for us to wait for yeah. them so like that has happened a couple times just because we find it easier to do that than throw a big... Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. Like if I have to go out of my way to be like, hey, I need... Then we're like, eh, it's going to ruin the whole thing for us. So we just sort of have left. No, I, I agree with that. Um, also, Mark, do you know what SantaCon is? Of course. Of course. Of course. It's a time when you don't want to be in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> if people have never heard of it, it's uh, where there's large groups of, I would say, mostly men who dress up as Santa Claus and use it as an excuse to behave poorly in public. That is very, very accurate. Okay, so I'm Wikipediaing it right now. SantaCon is an annual pub crawl in which people dressed in Santa Claus costumes or as other Christmas characters parade in various cities around the world. Wait, there's a parade? Is, is that what they call it? <laughs> yeah, how is it a parade and a pub crawl? I've never seen the parade. Neither have I, but I actively avoid it. Okay, so Mark, question for you. In 30 years, do you think SantaCon will be a global holiday celebrated by all people of all ages and all cultures? Oh, gosh, I hope not. I, I really hope not. <laughs> this just seems terrible. If, if it's in its current incarnation, what, what we experience in New York, that would be awful. Well, Nicole and I have never celebrated SantaCon. By never celebrated, I mean we have gone out and had drinks on the same night that SantaCon was happening. Because it usually happens second weekend in December. They didn't have SantaCon when we were in college. But we sort of wish we had been able to participate. (laughs) I know, okay, so the stereotype is that pub crawl, people get very inebriated. And so you have Santas puking in the streets and on their subways. 
And that's an unpleasant experience for everyone. <laughs> but hear me out. So SantaCon has been around for, I don't know. Let's see. Wikipedia has a photo from 2008, SantaCon. Oh, SantaCon began in San Francisco in 1994. Wow. Whoa. This goes back to theater. In, inspired by, by a Mother Jones article on the Danish activist theater group Solvagnen. Amazing. Huh. In 1974, Solvagnen gathered dozens of Santas in Copenhagen to hand out items from the shelves of a department store to customers as presents before they were arrested for handing out those presents. <laughs> so they stole them. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So this is absolutely fascinating. In San Francisco, it started in 1994. Based on this 1974 Solvagnen santas in copenhagen so in san francisco it was staged as street theater by a local prankster group called the cacophony society which had grown out of the earlier suicide club and their aim was to make fun of christmas and the rampant consumerism associated with the holiday and so it was originally called santarchy and influenced by the surrealist movement discordianism and other subversive art currents and it was not intended to be a recurring event. However, the event organized again in San Francisco in 1995 with 100 participants and two arrests. <laughs> <laughs> and then SantaCon came to Portland in 96, to Seattle in 1997, and to LA and New York in 1998. Whoa. So this has actually been around since 1994. Street theater by a prankster group. Yeah, the Cacophony <laughs> Society. Wow. Okay, so... However, I didn't know any of this until now. <laughs> All right. So anyway, but Nicole and I, so yes, it is stereotypically known as a bunch of people putting on Santa hats and Santa costumes and going pub crawling and getting very inebriated. And then everybody hates them and everybody hates being out in public on these nights. And Nicole and I used to love it because the bars that we would go have signs that say no Santa's allowed in <laughs> on this day of SantaCon. <laughs> and so that's how we've always celebrated SantaCon is we find the bars that don't allow them. And then that's where we go have dinner. Hey, that sounds like a So when I said we have never celebrated it, we have celebrated it in our own way. So, Mark, I was at CNN two weeks ago, and I say, oh, SantaCon, wow, what a great holiday. And people laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, really, I think in 30 years, this is going to be a global holiday that grandparents will take their little children out and they'll all celebrate SantaCon. <laughs> People just thought I was being crazy. But it's already been here almost 30 years. That's nuts. Yeah, it's almost been around 30 years. And then somebody else pointed out that, like, you think in India they're going to be celebrating SantaCon? Now that I know the history, I think India probably already does. We're going to find out. I'm going to go there next Christmas to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I show up with a Santa suit. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> Actually, that'd probably be a good trip, you know, no matter what. Whether they celebrated or not, that might be a good trip. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm standing by, Mark, with this prediction that in 30 years, SantaCon will be a global event, will be celebrated by everybody. Yeah, because my thought is, I was thinking it was more of a recent thing. Now I'm realizing it's not as recent as I thought. I figure everyone, all those college kids that are, have been enjoying it for the last 10 years, well, if you, you were 20 10 years ago, in 10 years, you're going to be 40. These people are all having children of their own. And then in 30 years, they'll be grandparents or even great-grandparents. Everyone's going to know about the holiday. I'm not saying they're going to go pub crawling, but I could see them all gathering the family together for dinner and having a drink and wearing a Santa hat. Well, there are people who do that now and they don't call it SantaCon. 
No, no, no. It's going to be like the second week of December. They're going to call it SantaCon. I mean, you're already close to 30 years. You're saying another 30 years. It'll still be. Yeah. Because it was making fun of, apparently, in its roots, it was making fun of the consumerism. And now maybe it will become consumerism. (laughs) Or already has. Yeah, it probably already has. Uh, Will it become a global phenomenon? I think so. Uh, I guess it could. I mean, Santa, I guess, is a global thing, right? Yeah. And then that's what we also think is it's secular for the most part. Right. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. Okay, well, I'm saying by artistic finance is making the prediction that SantaCon will be celebrated by all. Well, you said all. Well, I mean, when you say all, I mean, is Christmas celebrated by all? Some religious groups might say no. Is Hanukkah celebrated by all? Some religious groups might say no. All is a pretty definitive thing, and it's kind of impossible to attain. Okay, all right. SantaCon will be enjoyed by many, many people. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're on safer ground now. (laughs) And it'd be even safer if you delete the second many. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right, fine. Um, Okay, Mark, before I let you go, do you have any jokes that you know that you can tell? Oh, not any that I can repeat publicly. Lately, the jokes I've been hearing are not the jokes that I can retell. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, of course, of course. I was no. just totally joking. Also, wait, one more thing before I let you go. So I also found that there was a tipping guide. So after I did my episode, I realized I could just look online for the answers to all these things. Just in case you wanted to know, for the holidays, you shouldn't tip your dentist or your doctor. This is the thing that struck me is if you have a nanny or a nurse who's a live-in, or if you have any sort of live-in helper, you're supposed to tip them one to two weeks pay. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like they're with you every single day and everything. I just was surprised by that. I was like, that's a big tip, I think. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. And then it also seemed if you work with somebody like regularly, like every week, if you see them every week or every day, then pretty much you're supposed to tip them. But also with the mail carrier, I always already mentioned this, but we, we don't even know our mail carrier. So that's why we've never tipped them before. Right. Yeah, that happens a lot, especially lately. Like, I don't know who my mail carrier is. It was different people. Also, the other thing I noticed was that like a waiter or a bartender at a place that you regularly go to, it recommends 20 to $40 tipping to them for the holidays. Like if you, if you know them well. Sure. Yeah. But the cobbler and the tailor, you're not supposed to tip. <laughs> In case you wanted to know. Who, who made up these rules? <laughs> this is from care.com. Their holiday tipping guide. So funny. <laughs> I was like, cobbler? Who has a cobbler? So, <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird to me. Like, I, I would totally, anybody that I see, would see regularly, I would probably give them something no matter what. Also the barber. So I don't have a regular barber, so I've never done this. But I guess if you have one, you're supposed to tip them the cost of one session. Supposed to. Okay. Well, 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 well. <laughs> supposed to is me. They, they preface this article with saying tipping is absolutely not requirement. This is all if you want to, if you're feeling it. But if you're going to, you're supposed to do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, and, and this guide is helpful. Like it's in. Oh, oh, here I found for not um, the doorman. Okay, so doorman, they say $25 to $100, depending on how much you know them or how much work they do for you. Remember, I already recorded the episode, so then I looked it up. So superintendent for your building, your super, they say $100 to $200, depending on involvement, which means that Nicole and I have been under-tipping our super. (laughs) (laughs) 
But the person that I thought was crazy for giving 200 was still spot on because that's in the 100 to $200 range. So there you go. There you go. I mean, Nicole and I are the same with the super. Like they could literally punch us every time we came in the building and we would still tip them. It would take a lot. Okay, well, Mark, uh, thanks for jumping on here. And, and I'm going to interject this into the show. Well, all right. Going to be all set. All right, that was my recorded bit with Mark Santos. Now back to the original episode. Okay, so enough about tipping. Now on to side hustles. And with COVID, a lot of people in the live events have started side hustles. A lot of artists already had them, and they just leaned into them more. And others started from scratch. For example, me and Artistic Finance. Which reminds me that if you want early releases of the episodes and extra content, you could become a patron at patreon.com slash artistic finance. But I'm just going to take one moment to give two shout outs to some side hustlers that I've worked with in the past. This is not a paid advertisement. I haven't even told them I'm going to say this, but I'm just impressed with their side hustles because they are killing it and making incredible things. So first off is stage manager Owen Hartley, who makes leather goods and handmade crafts. So if you need a purse or a wallet, go order one from him and you will make his day. And yes, I know there are ethical concerns when it comes to leather. I'll let you take that up with Owen. Find him on Instagram at bolt underscore leathercraft. His work is beautiful and I'll put a link in the show notes. And now for the musical theater lovers amongst us, set designer Josh Warner is making eco-friendly wooden engravings. Now the most common things I see are sets of coasters with musical theater phrases, and of course they can be customized. So if, for instance, you like the show Seesaw, and you want a coaster that says, you're a lovable lunatic, or welcome to Holiday Inn, you can get it there. You would make his day by ordering something from his shop, and even though the holidays are behind us, you could start those two fellas off right in 2022 by picking up some of their things. Links to both their shops are in the show notes. And one final shout out to some anonymous hustlers. One thing that isn't talked about as many live event workers started side hustling during COVID are the sex workers. Yes, sex workers, you thought talking about money was taboo, but hey, since I do host this show about money and artists, people tell me their side hustles. And because of that, I happen to know that some of our colleagues are hustling in sex work. So I want to give them a shout out. Now, we don't talk about it for obvious reasons, but I can almost guarantee that everybody listening now knows a theater person that is doing that on the side or perhaps is even doing it full time now. And I can't speak for the entire community of artistic finance, but I can speak for myself and I suspect a majority of the listeners and say that you guys are doing awesome. We're thrilled you found a way to monetize your side hustle. Even though we may never tell you in person or be able to talk to you about it, you were awesome and we're super glad you found a stream of income. I personally admire you for generating income because it isn't as easy as one of the Les Mis characters suggests when they say, make money in your sleep. That was 1821 and this is 2021, so there's more technology involved now, let's say. But if you're listening and that's your side hustle, I just wanted to let you know that we see you, we respect you, and we love you, and we're totally thrilled that you're doing that. And now for our final topic of today's episode, which is the milestones for artistic finance. So at the beginning of 2021, I set three podcast goals, double subscribers from 50 to 100, double patrons from 6 to 12, 
and interview Malaysian pop singer Sheila Majid. So I pivoted the podcast from interviewing artists about handling their finances to trying to learn something new about finance in each episode, so I didn't end up interviewing Sheila Majid. But on the subscriber front, we're now around 115. I don't actually know. I just gauge that by how many people listen each week. It's been 100 for a while, but it's starting to land between 130 to 150 listens each week. So I'm going to say 115 subscribers. Uh, Patrons, our goal was 12, and we're now at 24, which is a perfect opportunity for me to say thank you, patrons. I wildly appreciate you taking your hard-earned dollars and believing in the show and the conversations we have. So after fees and me giving to other Patreon creators, I get $73 a month, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough to pay the hosting fees and some of the other costs, and eventually it's going to pay off this microphone. All that to say, thank you, patrons. Your pledges make a difference, and it really means the world. So I believe the artistic finance goals for 2022 will be to double all of this. So go from 115 subscribers to 230, go from 24 patrons to 48 patrons, and interview two people to make up for the fact that I didn't interview Sheila Majid. First, producer Brian Moreland and two, Rufio from the movie Hook, also known as actor Dante Bosco. Nicole's been on to me to try and get him on the show for quite some time, so if anybody knows him, send him my way or give me his cell phone number. Other milestones for the show in 2021 were we recorded live at LDI in Las Vegas. We got invited back, so mark your calendars for the weekend before Thanksgiving 2022. We reached 18,000 downloads, I'm super grateful to have reached that number with no advertising, just word of mouth. Thank you, artists, for spreading the word. Thank you, non-artists, for also spreading the word. Artistic Finance has been downloaded in 66 countries and all seven continents. I actually learned about a new country called Guadalupe. So I had never heard of it, but we had someone from there listen. They didn't subscribe, though. But where is Guadalupe, you ask? Well, it's just north of Dominica. Where is Dominica, you ask? It is in the Southeast Caribbean. And the only reason Nicole and I know about Dominica is because we watched all the whale things on Disney+, and the sperm whales are off the shores of Dominica all year long. We very much want to go there, but there's not a lot of beaches, so it doesn't have the tourist infrastructure. But eventually, maybe, perhaps, we're going to get there. But anyway, Guadalupe is just north of there, and now I think we need to go to Guadalupe and find the person who listened to an episode of Artistic Finance and ask them how we can get them to listen again. And the final thing that happened for Artistic Finance is that a new patron convinced me that the theme music has to be changed. I know a hundred of you have already told me that before. When it came from a patron, (laughs) it, it suddenly held more clout. Anyway, I'm working on it. So if there's any sound designers or composers listening, feel free to send me a hip, exciting, and energetic theme somewhere between 25 and 30 seconds. Oh, and one more thing that happened was that I joined LinkedIn, which isn't for artistic finance per se, but let's be real, that's the only reason I joined LinkedIn. It gives me a place to find guests and to post about the show. So all in all, artistic finance is going well. I would love to hire a podcast hope to help systematize it, focus the content, make it more appealing to listen to, but at this moment I don't have direct plans for that. But what do you think? How can I improve the show? So for topics, what would you like to hear? 
and for quality of the content, how can I make it easier to listen to? So let me know by messaging on LinkedIn or emailing artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening and happy holidays. And remember our optional fee for listening, which is to tell somebody about the show. And if that fee isn't enough, would you like to support the show financially? If so, please become a patron. You'll get early access to episodes and random updates from me. And if you don't want to get locked into supporting, consider supporting for one year. 2022 would be a great year for that. So you can start in January and set a reminder to yourself to unsign up in December. I won't remind you, but you should remember. Levels start at $3 a month, which is $36 for the year. Join up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And however you support me, and whenever you support me, and if you never support me, I want you to know that you are a valuable person on this planet, and I love you. Okay, final things for the super listeners. If you catch this before December 31st, please vote for me in the Broadway World Awards for Best Lighting Design Off-Off-Broadway for Seesaw. I'm losing soundly with zero chance of victory, but that won't stop me from trying. Find a link at the bottom of the show notes and vote for Seesaw. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.